Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country's ever produced. My name is Josh Earl and joining me, this week, very special guest, first time guest, making his debut appearance on the podcast. Please welcome from Fofop Tofop, please welcome it's Charlie Clausen. Yay! Hi, thank you, Josh. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, I can't remember if I actually had 100% hits. I did have one compilation album as a kid. What? The only two songs I can remember listening to on it was um, Wild Wild West by The Escape Club. Yep. And Sabrina's Boys, Boys, Boys. Or was oh. it just Boys? I can't remember if the... I think it's Boys, Boys, Boys. Because that used to be a song when I was in Hobart over the summers. I used to have the Hobart Comedy Festival. And so I pretty much live in Hobart for the, for a month. And I don't know if you've spent much time in Hobart, Charlie, but not not much of a nightlife there. Right, yeah. Especially during the week. So we'd do our shows and then there'd be the Welcome Stranger was the pub would be open. <laughs> So we'd all go there and play pool. Yeah, isn't that a euphemism for like falling asleep on your arm and having a wank? Yeah. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. I'll tell you another story about that. But about the welcome stranger. But they had the video jukebox and yeah. every time we'd be there, someone would play the Sabrina Boys, Boys, Boys because yeah. it's a very... That and the um, Duran Duran uh, Girls, Girls on, on film. film. Yeah. Two very sexy yeah. film clips. And you'd know someone's playing this in this pub. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for many men of our generation, that was a sexual awakening, yeah. Sabrina's Boys, Boys, Boys. A wet, basically a wet t-shirt competition put to music, that music video. But uh, my friend Finnegan Crookenmeyer, who's a really, really great playwright and at the time was doing comedy, he moved to Hobart around that time and he did the whole move in the whole house. And I don't know if you've, anyone's moved recently. It sucks. You forget how mm. tough it is. So they're like, all right, we've moved all day. Let's go out for a drink and celebrate. The only place was open, the Welcome Stranger. They walked in and he said all the bar flies just kind of turned around to him and went, oh, fuck off. And, like, <laughs> and he's like, it's called the Welcome Stranger. I'm a stranger. Where's my welcome? Yeah. Uh, so you don't remember what it was? So did you, growing up, what were you into music? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I have a, a strange relationship with music in the sense that I love music, but I'm not like a nerd about it. Yeah. So... Like, I can't name individual tracks. Like, never mind. Yeah. Like, I love the album, never mind. But I don't know what the individual songs are called. I just know what the song is when I hear it. And growing up, um, you know, I'm the youngest of nine. So I had a lot of kind of like 70s and 80s influences on me. Yeah. Um, and mum was a big Beatles fan as well. So I had like the entire like Beatles uh, collection on vinyl. But then when it sort of got into the era of 100% hits, I probably started off kind of soft rock. Like, I think the first album I bought, well, it, there's some conjecture around this because I thought the first album I bought was Appetite for Destruction, which is a pretty cool, yep. you know, like album to buy first. But my sister says I bought No Jacket Required by Phil Collins. I don't remember that. I love but that. But she swears up and down that Phil Collins was my first musical. Because I always do like the first album I bought with my own money, which is a, it's a cool album, whereas the first album I actually owned, not a cool album. Yeah, I yeah. think maybe that's that, that that's the distinction. I think the first album I ever got was, you know, maybe it was a Christmas present, yeah. no jacket required. The first one with my own money was uh, was Appetite for Destruction. And then very much into grunge. That yeah. was my sort of whole sort of 90s period. Um, and then I sort of like, I sort of lost a handle on it. when uh, Once we left the 90s, music just got a bit... <laughs> It got a bit too weird for me and I just lost a handle on it. I've talked about this before. I'm at the age where at 18, 19, new metal came in and it just was not for me. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, going, am I not into music? Is this something that I'm no longer, like current music, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and listen to the other stuff. But then I'm like, oh, and then I've said it before, the strokes come out and I was like, oh, cool. Guitars are cool again and I can actually listen to the music I like again. Well, I have been very much 
uh, enjoying at the moment going back. I think I spoke to Claire Tonti, uh, you know, from the Suggestible podcast and Tonts. Yeah. Um, last year, I went through this strange deep dive into the boy band Five. Yeah. And I've had a few people I, hit me up saying, you need to get Charlie on the podcast <laughs> if you're talking about Five. Yeah. Well, because I, and the thing is, I'd never listened to Five when they were actually around. But something, ha- oh, you know what it was? I was taking my daughter to daycare. And so she was into the Spice Girls at the time. So we put the Spice Girls on Spotify and then that would naturally roll into other British pop bands. Yep. And so Fire would come up and it was the song Keep On Moving. And I, and I sort of had this vague memory of, oh, yeah, I think I remember that song. And then I just started listening to other Five songs and it just activated some kind of like, like, like a journey into a rabbit hole where I just became obsessed with no other boy band but Five. And Will and I talked about it on Tofop, like, you know, for many, many episodes. And then I had Claire Tonti on and I told her about it. And she was like, oh, yeah, I, 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 um, I talked to a lot of my, um, my friends about this, mainly mothers. It's when they become mothers, they have this identity crisis where they don't know who they are. They're sort of trapped between this world of who they used to be and now who they are. You're having an identity crisis. And so your mind is casting back to a time when you were free of responsibility, listening to a disposable form of music, which meant, and it was, I think she's a hundred percent right. Like it was last year when, you know, up where I live, we we're going through floods and my wife was away working a lot and I was solo parenting. And I think five became this life raft for me because it was like, this just completely disposable pop music. But then I got sort of more obsessed with the story of Five. Like, what happened to them? They're on the precipice of like, you know, they had two, three hit albums in the UK. They're about to break it, um, break the US market. And then they split up. And Jay, who I don't know how well you know the members of Five, <laughs> Josh, but Jay was the rapper one. He was yep. the, the sort of big guy with the eyebrow ring who rapped. When they broke up, he just disappeared from public life. He did one series on the Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and then he's just, he's never been cited since. And he's my white whale. Great. Like I have been obsessed with tracking down. And I've, I've isolated, he lives in Wales. I know that much. He's been spotted at a writer's festival in Wales. But I'm obsessed with finding out like, I want to, is Jay okay? That's the, yep. been the slogan of, of Tofop the last like six months. Is uh, Jay okay? All right, listeners of this show, if you know anything about Jay, please send him in and I'll pass him on to Charlie. That'd be great. Just going really back one thing, it. I think... Claire's uh, description of why you were into five might be the whole reason why I'm doing this podcast as well. I don't know. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. I just thought oh, it could be a good idea for a podcast. Now I'm realizing, oh no, it's to go back. It's to go back to when I had no responsibility. A simpler time. Yeah. All right. Well, let's kick off. We're talking okay. volume 20, side B. So the year was 1996. How old were you in 96, Charlie? Uh, 19. Okay, good. So these would be songs that you would, I would say... New and some will be you'll be like I was too old for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did cast my eye over the list that you sent me, and I've got to say I recognised two oh. of this list. But that's not to say, like I said, I'm not a nerd about music. Yeah. If I hear them, I might be like, oh yeah, I remember it. But the names of them didn't immediately ring any bells. Yeah. All right, we're going to kick off with a, with a band that's been on the on the show before. Uh, this is from their album Wild Mood Swings. People know I love this band. This is The Cure. Their song, The 13th, but it is the swing radio mix. So here we go. I love it yeah. in that it, when you hear the cure, you think like depressing goth. Yeah. And this is Heavy kind guitars. of like an upbeat, kind of almost flamenco inspired song. Oh, right. 
We can't play all the thing. I'm sorry. I thought the chorus That's was coming right. up at the minute 30 mark. But <laughs> listeners, go and listen to the song. Uh, so this is what was on. So this was on the album Wild Mood Swings as well. And this was on the compilation 100% Hits. I think you're right. There is a di- different version of the 13th, but I couldn't find it when I went looking oh. for it. Because it sounded immediately familiar to me, but I don't, but not, not the actual, that version of it. I, I recognize yeah. the lyrics and the melody, but I swear I've heard a different version of it. Maybe, I've seen The Cure a few times in concert. Maybe they do a different version live, and that's what I'm thinking Well, of. they definitely would do this uh, song live because this is uh, Robert Smith, who's the front man. It's his favorite of their albums. This one, and he loves this song in particular. And he's one of the, in the minority of people saying this is the best album. When it came out, people were like, nah, The Cure have lost it. They went from being like the biggest band in the world at one point, and then 92 Wish came out, and people were like, this just sounds so much like Wish. And also, in the current landscape of post-Kurt Cobain, that kind of Mm. grunge was moving into something else, people were like, nah, this is, whatever this is, this is not it. But I think... I think The Cure have the la- have had the last laugh here because I think this sounds like almost timeless, whereas mm. a lot of those bands who are doing stuff with a very 90s sound, has yeah. it sounds like it's a 90s album. I'm, I'm surprised that people didn't accept it because like 96, we were sort of still in that era of Unplugged, which is yeah. why I was wondering, is this an Unplugged version? Because uh, that's what it sounds like to me. Yep. It sounds like a, an acoustic version of a rock song. But I like it. Yep. Like, I mean, I genuinely, like, uh, it's, 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 it's a good song. Like, it's funny, Gemma, my wife, is a massive Cure fan. She was a goth in the 90s and stuff. And um, she always felt very disappointed by Wish because, is that Friday I'm in Love? Yeah, is that, it's is, when they were yeah, kind of she, doing she, pop songs. Yeah, that's where she kind of checked out of the Cure. But then she's come back, she's fallen back in love with them. And you're right. Yeah. Like, their songs have stood the test of time. We saw them at Splendour about three years ago and they played for they played everything but um love cats yeah that was the only song that they didn't play and it was one of the best gigs i've ever seen yeah so this song uh was top 20 in the uk finland sweden belgium and this will be no surprise to the listeners of the show those hungarians they loved it got to number two (laughs) on the charts the hungarians charlie Anything on these compilations, they love it. I don't know if, oh, if really? it was being played in these were being purchased in Hungary, but they're bang up there. Uh, so we talked about it last time because of the way that Robert Smith in particular looks. They get lumped in with the sad goth music, but they've always had mm. light, upbeat numbers. And Robert Smith himself is actually very funny in interviews, and he, he's quoted as saying, "He has a smile on his face more than he doesn't. He just doesn't write songs about smiling. He has no one wants to hear me mm. being happy." Uh, there is a very funny clip, I don't know if you've seen this, when they got uh, nominated or inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they're doing the red carpet and it's like, you know, there's people there from the E! Network who know nothing about yeah. the Cure, but there's going... Classic American yep. entertainment journalism. Just, yep. just Bright and bubbly. Bounds up to him and goes, oh my God, you must be so excited about being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he's like, just gives a bit of a side. I go, uh, not as excited as you appear to be. And that's all he says. <laughs> so British. Yeah. That's funny with the cure. Like I, uh, so Jen got me into them, and I remember um, I was driving out to meet her and uh, uh, a few other friends for dinner, and I was listening um, to Close to Me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, and you know, because there's two versions of that, but there's one version which has got the all the sort of the heavy breathing and the do 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 do. And I'm driving out. And I'm like, oh, this is such a sexy song. What a sexy song. And then I really listen to the lyrics. And I'm like. Wait a minute, this is about suicide. Yeah. I can't believe I'm thinking the song about suicide is so sexy. It's so funny, that juxtaposition, because he talks about that, the reason why he was kind of drawn to dark songs. He says that when his father, when he was a small child, his father used to sing him to sleep. But the lullabies right. were all like stuff like sleep now, pretty baby, or you won't wake up at all. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like these cute little things. I love you, but you're not going to wake up if you don't sleep now. So there's that darkness of, yeah, always there, always present. All right. Moving on, we'll move on to okay. uh, back to every single uni party I went to. Yeah. Sitting around a fire, someone's got a guitar being handed out. This is Ben Harper and his song, Gold to Me. They love the slow intro in the 90s. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like gold to me. Oh, yeah. And I'm not too blind to see. Oh, look like gold. Like gold. 
too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. There was a while I, I used to cringe at Ben Harper, but it was only because of the memories yeah. of people handing out guitars. It's not him, him personally. Yeah. So, uh, this is along with Michael Franti. These two. I was just going to say yeah. that there was a period of time where it felt like they were always in Australia, right? It was almost like they treated the Byron Bay Blues and Roots Festival like a residency. <laughs> just every they're yeah, just always right. there. Yeah, yeah. They were the David Straussman yes. of music. Like they were always out in Australia. Well, this is from his second album. The last album he had be like solo. And then every other album I think has he's had and the Innocent Criminals as his uh, backing band. He comes from a very musical family. I didn't know this. His grandmother, Dorothy Chase, was a folk musician who played with Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie. And their family, his uh, grandfather and his grandmother on the Chase side, owned a folk music store, like like guitar and selling records and stuff like that. And his mother, Ellen, also worked there. She's very much heavily involved in the National Folk, uh, like not museum, but like Association of America. And so he kind of grew up with this kind of uh, music all the time. Although he did say his first album he ever bought was uh, Jimi Hendrix's Smash Hits album, which <laughs> would have been weird because his mum actually dated Jimi Hendrix's manager for a while. Oh, right. Not Jimi Hendrix. That would have been a better <laughs> story. Say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. So would you classify this under folk? Because like this sounds cooler to me. When I think of folk, I think of like, you know, uh, Mumford and Sons. Yeah. Well, he, I think he but, classifies it as uh, blues. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's definitely sounds like. I mean, he was very cool. Is he still married to Laura Dern? There was a he was for a bit. Time, he's not right? now. He's he's on his okay. third marriage. Right. Very handsome yeah, man. No, that's that's for I sure. I think he's one of the. There's good. I can you can sort of see why he he played blues and roots so much in uh, at Byron because he has that sort of crossover appeal where like it's it's like Jack Johnson like surfers dig it. Yep. But there's a bit more of a mainstream crossover as well, and he's a handsome dude. Yeah. So girls get the, so you get the girl audience oh. as well. So you get the surfer blokes and you get the chicks as well. I would say Kelly Slater's in his phone contact. I think they text. They must <laughs> yeah, be well, Jack Johnson. He kind of didn't discover Jack Johnson, but he gave him one of his very early support slots and kind of right. really championed okay. him as well. Uh, another one of these performers who bigger in Australia than anywhere else. I mean, he's pretty big in America. He's won Grammys and stuff like that. But Australia is we we loved him, and uh, this song actually started the hottest 196 it came in at 100 so yeah right so what is that about australia i'm always fascinated by that why we are such a like a test market it's it's either like pink you know pink is huge in australia but then it's also it must be sort of like that english heritage we have where we love a fucking novelty song oh like some weird novelty song some comedian will come out release a single it always goes gangbusters in australia what is it about this nation's psyche that we embrace that kind of stuff i don't know about the novelty stuff but with these guys with like ben harper and pink and so i think it's because they're so laid back in interviews. They're like just normal right. people. And I think Australians really love that. That's why I'm surprised like yeah. Louis Capaldi, I, I thought he would be bigger in Australia than he actually is. I mean, he's still pretty big, but in all his interviews, he's very, very funny. And mm. it's the type of humor that I think Australians would actually like. He sings like this, these kind of like sad, beautiful kind of pop songs that you go, oh yeah, I hear yeah. that. It's not for me, but I understand why it's number one. Like people like that kind of songs. And then in interviews, he's like a comedian, and it's amazing. He's super, super funny. Like, yeah. At some at some point, I mean, Ben Harper must have been on Hey Hey It's Saturday. Yeah. Like, you can just see, there would have been a horribly awkward interview with Daryl and Ben, where Ben just held up his end of the bargain, yep. but Daryl tried to crash the interview. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's move on. Oh, one last fact about Ben Harper. Yeah. In his thing, on his Wikipedia page, it says he's a champion backgammon player. Uh-huh. Now I, I tried to look at backgammon tournaments. I couldn't see any B Harper for the win. So when they say champion, I reckon he just likes playing backgammon and someone's gone, yeah, champion. All right. <laughs> All right. Moving on. A song, right. when I first started to listen to it going, oh my God, it sounds like it's Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. It is not. This is Collective Soul with their song, The World I Know. Getting flashbacks to driving to university. Yeah. <laughs> does sound very Irish. Yeah. 
That's very 90s sound. Yeah, so we talked about them last time when they had kind of a... They put out a demo album, pretty much, and it had Shine on it, and that became a massive radio hit in America. And then they released just the demos, and the band were like, oh, couldn't we have done an actual album? But it went sold lots of copies. Then they released a follow-up album, and that is what they're saying. That's actually our debut album. Then they had a, yeah. a fight with their manager where they couldn't release anything, and money got exchanged, and neither party were allowed to say how much was exchanged and who got the money. Right. So this song was written by lead singer Ed Rowland. He said he walked around New York City and he uh, just was looking at how we have the most, like the richest people and also the poorest people, kind of like intermingling in this one kind of melting pot of a city and kind of stuff. But he would now let you know that he wrote it all on his own, even though it was credited to be co-written by then band member Ross Childress. Now, Ross and Ed, they formed the band. They do not talk anymore. Ross is out right. of the band. And they're like, Ironic. and they're like, <laughs> do not, uh, do not mention him in our interviews. We will not talk about right. it. It's very traumatic. So I went okay. deep diving in the Reddit forums, Charlie. Okay. Right. So this is what apparently happened. Uh, he, Ross had an affair with Ed's wife. Ooh. Holy shit. September 2001. Uh. There's a lot going on in the world September 2001. I think <laughs> dealing, especially if you're living in New York City and your wife, had, wife had an affair, <laughs> like you got to go, okay, this is... Okay, there's bigger things out there. I don't know. Ironic that a band called Collective Soul would be so fractured. Yes. I mean, I do, I do love band names that sound like they could be cults or some kind of new age philosophy, like Collective Soul. It's like, what's that um, sports psychology group? Collective Minds, oh, isn't that yeah. the guy that, that all the AFL clubs get into? Is that the one Ash Barty works psychology? with or worked with? Yeah. yeah. No, I think it was the one, they might have been the ones who was with the Adelaide uh, training oh, camp. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Collective Minds. Uh, I've got the quote that uh, uh, Ed said about Ross because they were in an interview and someone said, oh, co-written by uh, Ross. And he stopped the interview and said, no, not co-written. I'm going to say it right now. He didn't write a damn thing. He didn't even play on the song. He gets credit because he wanted credit. And at the time of the band, you want to make sure everyone's clear and cool. He didn't write a damn thing. Oh, my God. He's very definitive. You're right, though. It has that very... 90 sound it makes me think of um jesus jones right here right now yeah. it's got the same raspy vocals and kind of like there's a bit of orchestration behind the acoustic lead yeah. and stuff like that but it's dated dated like the previous two songs haven't dated i yeah. think uh this was number one in canada number one song of in canada got to 41 here <laughs> and right. uh it spent not charming enough for the aussie no, audience it's no. not funny enough in interviews uh, <laughs> This album spent 76 weeks in the American charts, though. Right. Pretty good. All right. I mean, yeah. Moving on. Someone who's okay. been on, starting to be a bit of a staple of the compilation. We've talked about her, I think, twice already. This is the third time. Sorry, can I ask yes. just a, um, and you've probably talked about this in previous episodes, but the 100% hits, who is the record company that owns the rights to all these artists? EMI. So it's Warner, EMI, EMI okay. and... Um, Oh, what's the other one? Another Australian one. Not Mushroom, because that's Hit Machine. Um, Polydor. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of miss the era of the compilation album. Like, we get them now with playlists, obviously. Yeah. But there is something uh, about the idea of a record company curating an album and what they think you want to listen yeah. to. Yeah. We've talked about it on the pod before. I think a lot of people were going over to the clubs in Ibiza and coming back going, no, nah, you've got to put this on. People will love this. <laughs> All right. Moving on. This is... Smoke and Ashes by Tracy Chapman. Mm-hmm. 
side to it this. It is, album. isn't it? It's very it's chilled. Time. Yeah, it's the first side of the side, the A side. Like no, this. we had like Ooh Ah, just a little bit by Gina G. <laughs> Ace of Bass. <laughs> right, so this is like your recovery part. California so Love by Tupac. Don't worry, we're about to, we're about to go crazy. Don't worry. I mean, it does feel like they have the right of this album. Right? Like, no the, these songs all seem to be kind of related, yeah. That's what we'll play. We'll play there. That's the first song I don't recognise at I all. I don't recognise either. This is my 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 not issue with Tracy Chapman, but because oh, the last two the last two songs Step we played in everyone. No, the last two songs we had, <laughs> "Give Me One Reason" and I think it was "Fast Car," absolute bangers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She has such a good voice that I think it would be hard to know on first listen. Going, is this a good song or not? If you're like the record label producer, going, "Well, she sounds amazing." Is it a good song mm. though? Like, it, does it? Is it got that earworm factor where you're going to be singing it like a month or two later? I don't. I, don't, I could. It's very pedestrian. Very pedestrian. Yeah, I know we talked over it, but I couldn't sing you this now. I've listened to it a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly right. Like the, the, what distinguished her first two singles was like her voice and her storytelling, but that just felt like it could be any kind of country yeah. song, really. Yeah. Uh, one thing about Tracy Chapman, though, if you watch her on YouTube, the algorithm yeah. loves her. Like okay. I have been watching a lot of '90s pop and like rock music on YouTube. Every single time I finish a song, it'll go back to autoplay a Tracy Chapman concert. It just oh, wants really? me to watch this concert, and it's I don't know. It's I don't know if you've got this on YouTube. It used to always be like that for me with Joe Rogan. I, I reckon I've watched one or two episodes of Joe Rogan when he's had comics I like on it, and mm. then from then on, the algorithm's like, "You love Joe Rogan." I'm going to put Joe Rogan up in all your recommendations. Even though you're not clicking on them, I will put them up. And it must be something that they go, all right, if we can get them in with Joe Rogan, we know they're going to stay on because his shows go for like three and a half hours. I just get fed Family Guy compilations. It's like the most racist jokes in Family Guy's history, the most offensive jokes in Family And it's like, what have I been looking at that they think, oh, this guy needs more of this entertainment? On Instagram, my likes, like no, my, when I go to search, it is either fitness people, NBA people, uh, um, Eclipse, or Family Feud in America with Steve Harvey. <laughs> it is. The, How did you end up there? Because all the clips are amazing. He is so funny on that show. And that show is just so... <laughs> Like, I know TV is contrived, but that is just contrived to have the American audiences say a rude thing and Steve Harvey just going, oh, my God, can you, we're on television. How are you saying? Like, yeah, it's, I love it. I love it every time. I get sucked into it and he's so good. Um, I don't know what else to say about the Tracy Chapman album or song. It's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I, if that was the first song I'd heard of hers, I would be not interested in listening to any more yep. of of that. Like, there's just nothing that grabs me about that song. But I, I, you can see why it got listed at what uh, the fifth song in, the fourth song in, yep. to B side of 100 percent hits. Yeah. So it's from New Begin. New Beginning was a massive album for her. But I, I, yeah, I think she had another one after this, and then she did the right thing. Goes, you know, I'm just going to live in Cleveland, and that's what I'm going to do, and. Not really do too many, too many interviews or too many. I mean, could you sue EMI and say, "Look, you said you guaranteed me one hundred percent hits so far." Hey, I'd say it's been ninety nine percent hits. Don't don't give it away. We're going to do it at the end. All right, maybe okay. this will get you back on track. This is right. a song I must admit I had never heard before this week. This is Lunas featuring Michael Marshall, or Loonies, I should say. I got five on it. Ah, uh, yeah. You've never heard I'd this. I've never heard this. Oh my god, this is a classic. Yeah, this is great. Did you see Jordan Peele's Us? Very. This is used very heavily oh. in the marketing of that film. No, I saw Get Out. 
They did a creepy remix. Nevertheless, I'm hella fresh, rolling joints like a cigarette. So fast across the table like ping pong. I'm gone, beating my chest like King Kong. And some wrap my lips around the phony. And when it comes to getting another stogie, fools all kick in like Shinobi. Know me ain't my homie to begin with. It's too many hands to be. Probably let my friend hit me. Unless you pull out the fat crispy. Five dollar bill on the real before it's history. Cause fools be having them vacuum lungs. And if you let them hit them a free, you hella dumb. There we have. It is great. The production on it is great, and it's, I've been saying this a lot. So the hip hop production, especially West Coast hip hop, has dated very, very well, and I think it's because it's been copied so many times that we yeah. go, "Oh yeah, that's that's that sound. That's that's yeah. a familiar sound to us." Yeah, yeah. And so, but Looney's, I don't really know anything. I, I mean, it's funny. Like I knew the name of the song, but I've I, I would not have guess that that was the artist behind it did he go on to do anything else well it's two people so they originally were called loonies tunes so that's l-u-n-i-z <laughs> tunes t-o-o-n-s then they changed it to loony tunes spelled <laughs> tunes proper way and then l-u-n-i dropped the z and then they went back to just loonies l-u-n-i-z so it's two members numbskull and yuckmouth uh and oh Michael Marshall is the uh, singer on this one. He, he gets into the chorus and sings it. Uh, so this is from their Operation Stackhola album, their debut right. album. It got number two in Germany, three in the UK, and eight in the US. So yeah, major, major hit, yep. Uh, this song's all about uh, not having enough money to get your own dime bag. So you all put in, and so it's all about, yeah, I've got $5, so I'll put five on it. And maybe that, because I've never bought weed. I've never, the only drugs I've ever bought in my life is ecstasy. Right. That's the only thing I've ever bought. I've done, I've done look, I've done drugs, <laughs> but I've never, I've never had to pay for them. Well, lucky you. I know. <laughs> people. You're know, that guy a, at the party. Well, there's a song. You're the guy the breaking out the guitar to sing Ben Harper to get the free drugs. <laughs> there's a song by the Hold Steady where they talk about, girl, uh, you've only got a problem... With drugs when you're paying for the drugs, yeah, right. like get your boyfriend to pay for the drugs. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I never, I never, look, I never had that experience where I went around to the dealer's house and sat on the couch and he made my girlfriend feel weird and had to make conversation for half hour and then go, oh, I guess I better do what I'm here for. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the greatest thing since uh, medical marijuana has come in that you no longer have to uh, make up awkward conversation for half an hour until you yeah. can get the drugs. Yeah. You know, I've had flatmates who would go around and go, oh, yeah, we just played like Nintendo for an hour until I said, all right, can I get the stuff? I better go. I've got stuff to do. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. So, Do you think Looney spent too much time on their monikers and the band's name <laughs> when they should have been in the studio coming up with a follow-up single to this? Because it's, it's an absolutely great track, but I feel like they got bogged down in their identity. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Like, yeah, they, I've I'd never heard of them. I'd never heard this song. No. I like this song, and I I understand why it was a hit. But you know, sometimes you only you're, you only have one. If you have one good idea, that's a really good career, though, in in music. You're right. You get one hit. You're right, though. It it is it is very much that kind of West Coast hip hop sound where, like, so much of what Dr. Dre produced at that time, and when you look at the artists he ushered through, you know, like Snoop Dogg and Eminem. You just need a really, really good sample or a good hook or a good yep. melody and you just play that again and then pretty much the lyrics are sort of secondary because it's what you're remembering is just the sound of it. And that like even that bass, that boom boom yeah. boom it's just really like pulsing and just sort of takes you through the whole thing. And it also sort of has elements of other like hip-hop I like. I occasionally like to dip into horrorcore where they'll yep. take a really dark sample and just like shout horrible things over the top of it. You can sort of see why Jordan Peele was like, I'm going to reappropriate this for a horror film because it does have kind of a sinister kind of undertone to it, even though the lyrics probably aren't that yeah. sinister. No, it really does, yeah. Um... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, you take one, concentrate on one thing. This is a song that I don't think they concentrate on much of it apart from the energy of it. Okay. Okay. This is, we've talked about the band previously, the Candy Girls. Yeah. With my, Xavier Michaelides, we talked about Fifi Fo Farm. Well, this is the follow up. This is Wham Bam by the Candy Girls featuring Sweet Pussy Pauline. <laughs> Wait just a minute, mister. Oh, Looks God. so good. Oh, shit. I feel my, I think my pills kicked in from yeah. 1996. It's come back on. Oh, God. In two songs, we have from Tracy Chapman to this. Is this a ringtone from 1996? It sounds like the crazy song. Never will you grace these doors again. Get out. And take that dog with you. <laughs> it's over for me. You want me to give you a ride? I'm sorry, there's something in the booth. Oh my god! I can see a drag queen doing this and doing this really well. Yeah. Alright, we'll stop it there. Well that is it's so funny you say that because there's a bit of a Connection oh, to okay. drag and this song. So, like last time, we a bit of history. Paul Masterson, Northern Ireland DJ, and Rachel Auburn were the two people c- kind of behind the Candy Girls. And Sweet Pussy Pauline was an American on vocals. Big, big personality. Uh, and yeah, so not much on them on on any websites. But in the YouTube comments, a lot of people were saying, "Oh my God, I haven't heard this song since it was the." Final song at the nightclub, uh, get the G A Y in London. Okay, I think that's how you say it because it's spelt out as like G space A space Y. Anyway, yeah. So in the mid nineties, they would play this as the last song. This is the semi-sonic closing time of that okay. club. It's yeah. like, all right, get out now. Yeah. And this nightclub, quite a famous nightclub. Okay, so they've had performances by Madonna, ah. Lady Gaga, Britney, and One Direction. Yeah. And the One Direction gig was in 2011. So, you know, along, they were just starting. Mm. Uh, and it caused controversy because the club owner, Jeremy Joseph, he tweeted that straight people are not welcome. <laughs> he said, this is a gay club. We do not want it filled with little girls wanting to see One Direction. <laughs> well, that's less of an anti-straight thing and more of an anti-pop music thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I get that. I understand, like... Because I was talking to Adam Richard about this, and he yeah. was talking about how you know, when everyone became so inclusive, it really affected the gay clubs because everyone was like, could go anywhere. And he's like, yeah, you feel sorry for these people who've been there for like twenty years, mm, and now so their space. business is yeah, it's just, yeah, and now yeah, they were struggling to find like the business, or it was just people would go because it used to be people going there for a bit of a look, and that was annoying. And then it was oh, they'll just go anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy Joseph, the more I read into him, the more I'm like, oh. I'm not sure if he's a, a great guy. Okay. So the club was accused of ableism when uh, right. comedian Rosie Jones, who has cerebral palsy, tried to get in and they thought she was drunk and just waved her right. off. And then, this is something we can joke about, in 2022, it was reported that the club was issued the lowest hygiene rating of <laughs> one by the Westminster, Westminster City Council following an inspection in November the year before because it found... F- Fruit flies, oh. mold covered and bacteria laden ice machines, and the water filtration system had not been cleaned or serviced for five years. Oh, that's disgusting. But yeah. probably, I would say, a number of nightclubs would fall into that category. Yeah. yeah. But um, and, yeah, that is that's... An, that's an excruciating song to listen to. But I imagine when combined with some kind of stage performance or whatever, yeah. I mean, I think the point of it is to be kind of like annoying and irritating. Like, isn't that the, there is, I think that, look, I'm not a huge fan of EDM, 
but you know those, those high sort of you know what is it high BPM songs whatever they're called like yeah. there's a there's a point to it right like it's it's that's part of it's not about the sort of like being able to dance to it it's like just part of the kind of like performance of it and listening to that I'm like fuck like if I had to like just listening to it was unbearable but I imagine if I was at a party or a festival or whatever and I was watching something it could be fun yeah. But definitely not going to revisit. I'd never heard of the Candy Girls, and I love that. Like, I I have a real soft spot for songs that use parentheses. Like, um, you know, I'll do anything for love parentheses, but I won't do that. Yeah. Candy Girls, the full title, wham bam parentheses, Candy Girl Dolly Mixture Edit. So yes. that suggests that there are other versions of this, and I would like to know what those other versions are. Oh, you know, the single had like eight tracks on it, all of it just the one song, yeah. just a different version. Like, yeah. Well, that's something kids today would not know about, right? No. Like that you would buy a single, and then there would be like, yeah, the 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 the, the was it the th- what was it thirteen inch, eight inch? What was the two versions? You get the there was uh, twelve inch and then the inch. seven inch, and then the seven inch, yeah, yeah. But then you'd get the sort of you know, the remix as well, and so you'd buy that single for like eight bucks or something if you'd buy it on vinyl or even CDs. I remember having like, do you remember um, D Reams? Things can only get better. I bought oh, yeah. that. <laughs> We've talked about it on the show before. Yes. <laughs> I remember buying that on um, on CD and that having like eight versions of the same song. I'm like, wow, they yep. are really trying to milk this one hit. Well, it's funny. So Little Nas X did a very similar thing with Old Town Road, just kept on releasing remixes. Right. So it would go back up in the charts. And so he had like this record breaking until in Australia anyway. I only found this out recently. Tones and I, Dance Monkey, is the longest ever number one in Australia. What? Like yeah. more than Rihanna or more than the Whitney Beatles. Houston, as in like one song being number one for the longest amount of time. I had no idea because no one listens to the charts. No one cares about the charts anymore. I know this because the Killers are still in the charts with Mr. Brightside, <laughs> a song that came out thirteen years ago, probably is, even more than thirteen years ago. Is that yeah. because of the twenty-seven grand final and, and Jack Revolt? <laughs> On stage and singing with them or something. People just love that song, and so because of streaming, it's in the charts still. It's in the top fifty. That's. Am- I mean, I do know. I was quite shocked. There was a story about Tones and I. I think a few months ago, where she got one of her properties got robbed in Byron Bay, and then they said she has like a personal wealth of like forty million dollars, and she owns multiple properties around Australia. And I had only really known her from the Dance Monkey song. I didn't realize she had yeah. this entire. And she's obviously. Uh, owns the publishing and the songwriting and all that kind of stuff. So it makes sense. But it's like, oh, shit, yeah, okay. If the song's been number one or has the record for number one in Australia, then, yeah, she probably has made a bit of coin from that. Yeah, I, th- I think it was like 26 weeks, like it's half a year, like six That's months. That's insane. Yeah, good honour. Um, hey, we're moving on. Now, okay. look, can I just say, when I asked you to be on this show, it wasn't because of this artist. <laughs> I was wondering. I just... I read this and went, I don't even know who this is. And then I booked you in and then I did all the research. And I went, oh, this is just, it's just kismet. So it is a fellow alumni of Home and Away, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. It is Daniel Amalm and his version of the classic <laughs> guitar song, Classical Gas. Here it is. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. I remember this coming out, his version coming out. forward to the rap okay it's the song is like three minutes 30 perfect for radio but they do bury the rap at about two minutes 20 in it here we go now that is someone who had some marky mark in the funky bunch yeah or, in the car I mean, yeah. tell me like if you had to choose between Bruce Amazon or Daniel Amalm. 
as your Australian rapper. Rapping for your life. Who are you picking? Daniel. I'm going Daniel. <laughs> I have such a clear memory of this single coming out. And because he was the hot hunk, you know, the bad boy on on Home and Away. And yep. I remember um, it was like the Today Show, one of those like morning shows. And he was there to perform his single, Classical Gas. And I was like, ah, oh, that's bizarre. Like, I didn't know this guy was even a musician. And it was him and two backup dancers. And he had his acoustic guitar. And their styling was all very much kind of like Bloods and Crips. You know, he was wearing denim. He had like a two-pack bandana yep. tied up. And he had, he had so that in the film clip too, yeah. Right, so he's playing his guitar, and then at some point he swings the guitar into his back, so he and the backup dancers can do this choreographed dance before getting into the rap. And I remember because I would have been like I don't know seventeen, eighteen at the time, watching it, going like, "What the fuck is this? None of this works. All of it's wrong." The film clip is incredible. Okay, I gotta check it out. It's him on one of those big old chunky beige computers, clicking (laughs) folders that just say "posse." Or uh, rap or hoops, and there's little clips of him shooting hoops, or he's uh, got the posse doing this dance with him, and it is incredible. And look, he's posted this himself, and he's saying, "Look, this is everything I was into in 1996, put into three and a half minutes." Like, That's brilliant. And I'm glad that he's like, you know, he's not ashamed of this. He's like, "This no. is." Because he's gone on to do legitimate stuff, like he's been yeah. in movies and things like that. Yeah. But it was funny. There was a period in the 90s too when hip-hop, Australian hip-hop hadn't quite found its feet. Like I think Australian hip-hop's in a really good place now and it's found its voice, you know. It sort of yep. sits somewhere between sort of indie music and classic hip-hop. But there was just a time when it was like, we're just going to impersonate what we're hearing coming yep. out of America. But it never it never quite gelled. And so the idea of this music video, oh, what do we know about hip-hop culture? Um, basketball, uh, yep. the word posse, um, bandanas. Yep. You know, like it's just whatever we can grab. So he, his character on Home and Away was Jack Wilson. He lived with Pippa. I remember, because I used to watch Home and Away when I was living in Tasmania. I used to watch it every single night. Our whole family sat down. It was on when we were eating, TV, eating dinner. And he had one storyline where he was, because he was short, he wanted to be taller, so he bought these boots that he would hang himself off the door frame. And as a short kid myself, Charlie, I must say, 14-year-old Joshua wanted nothing more than these boots. I was like, Mum, where can I get those boots? I just the want these boots. boots. Yeah. <laughs> so, so funny. Uh, this song, uh, originally by Mason Williams, the original peaked at number two in America and got to six here. Uh, in America, the original version was kept off the charts by The Doors' Hello, I Love You. So around that era... Uh, Daniel had a really cool uh, uh, story how he got discovered. So he and his brothers were busking in uh, Brisbane playing right. flamenco-inspired guitar and George Benson, the guitar player, American no, guitar wow. player, walked past them and went, hey, kids, I'm playing a show at, I don't know, like the convention center or something like that. Come to Soundcheck and have a jam. And That's so amazing. they were like, awesome, went to Soundcheck. They were busking because they wanted to buy new guitars. And George Benson then gave them some guitars. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. That's an yeah. incredible story. And that's, that's before Home and Away. That's before Home and Away, yeah. Yeah, right. And so I think he got a bit of like news coverage off the back of that. And then, you know, very good looking, animatic kid. And then I, I guess, I don't know how it works, but I reckon Home and Away went, okay, let's get him in for a test, for a screen test. And yeah, well, my, he, was on, my, he was on the show for two years. My wife and I, uh, for a period of time, we had a production company. And for a period of time, we would make music videos for for anyone who won Idol or X Factor, any of those reality shows. And so we got like a close-up look at how that, you know, that that pop factory worked. Sorry, can I, can I ask, did you make Wasabi? No, didn't oh, okay. make Wasabi. Uh, but it is uh, it is interesting like how, because everyone understands there's a short window of time in which, you know, Daniel's a popular star in Home and Away or this kid's coming off a reality show in which, and so they... Like, they'll record an album in two days. Like, you know, they'll obviously have the songs already pre-written and stuff. But by the time the talent would get to us, they'd generally been, they'd just won the show. They'd just been in the studio for two days. This is like day four or five. They're coming to make music. They didn't know fucking where they were. And so we would be, you know, we would have organized like a location with these dancers or whatever. And we're sort of telling them, this is the plot. And you just see, especially if they were younger, like we worked with Stan Walker and he was like 19 at the time. And he just had no fucking idea where he was or what was going on. And like, I remember thinking 
He needs some protection, some guidance, because he had a manager there who was like, oh, we need you to sign off on this merch here, and we're going to be doing a Christmas album here. And, and I was like, this is your manager, but you need a manager to protect you from your manager. Because yeah. this, this seems like a lot for a kid to take on. But the, that's the, the, that is the way the system is designed. It's like maximize whatever you can because it's not going to last for long. Yep. Well, yeah, Daniel's been, he's, like you say, he's had a career acting. He was in one of, a couple of the Underbelly series and a couple of the other Australian dramas. He's also still releasing music. He's got a guitar album out called Guitard, which you can look on. Uh, <laughs> Is it yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think him and the loonies need to get together and workshop and some... Names. That's that's a bad name. <laughs> well, we can agree on that, right? Without going. I, I any very further. much. I, I said it as I said it out loud. Going. That doesn't sound right. Please, hopefully, you heard what I, you heard the G at the start. Okay? We definitely heard it. That's a terrible name for an album. Um, but yeah, it's out there. He's he's doing stuff. Good on you, Daniel. All right. Good on moving you, on. Now this huge song. Cannot believe buried second last on the album. This is. In this country, the debut single of Mark Morrison, it is Return of the Mac. Thank you, Mark. Here we go. Yeah. So it is a dump guy song. It's a guy going back in the world, Charlie. He's like, all right, yeah. you die, but I'm back. I'm back, yeah. everyone. I'm back, boys. Let's go out. Let's it. do something. Let's hit the town. It holds. Uh, it has one of my favourite features of a song, which is a call and response where there's only one person calling and responding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is off his debut album. The album was huge. This is the biggest song from it. Uh, it was yeah. number one in the UK. Got to two here in Australia and two in the US, but it took a while to get to number two in the US. It was about a year of kind of like it kind of bubbling up and then it got to two. In the US, it was kept off the number one spot by Mbop by Hanson. Oh, how about Which that? we will talk about in a future episode. Uh, so the lyrics all about an ex who dumped him. Uh, just before this was released though. So this is the Mark Morrison story. Do you know anything about Mark Morrison? No. No, again, this is, a, a, to, again, to just reiterate that I'm a, I don't know enough about music. I know the song, yep. but I had no idea who this guy is or, or even what it meant. <laughs> so in 95, he went to prison for a few months because he was in a nightclub brawl. Oh. And when he got out, he said, you know what? That experience has changed me. I'm now going to devote myself to music full time. So he was working the clubs and then he met Phil Legg, who'd co-produced songs with Desiree, Dreams. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, then they worked on this song. This song's pretty much built on a whole bunch of samples, the most notable being the Tom Tom Club's Genius of Love, okay, which is also sampled in Fantasy by Mariah Carey. That song went to number one the year before. So kind of like smart move by going, people won't necessarily recognize it from Fantasy, but it'll be familiar enough to them. They go, oh, yeah, I like that song. Yeah. All right, so it started to gain traction in the US, but he was arrested again because he tried to take a stun gun onto a plane. Can't do that. No, Mark. Come on, mate. He was also in a nightclub fight that resulted in oh. someone getting killed. What the hell is uh, going on with him in nightclubs? I know. Don't go to nightclubs. Yeah. He was then sentenced to go, go to... the to... Welcome Stranger, mate. Just yes. go hit up the jukebox and the Welcome Stranger. <laughs> go see Boys, Boys, Boys. Uh, he was then sentenced <laughs> to do community service. So he didn't go to prison. Yeah. Went to, and did community service. 
But he didn't do the community service, Charlie. Instead, he sent a lookalike <laughs> to go do his community service so he could go and do gigs and tour around. Well, people are going to find out. People are going to go, hang on. You've got, you're playing the Bristol Academy, and, but you're meant to be digging ditches in Sheffield. Like, come on, you can't. He was relying on the racism. He was yes. relying on racism to get him through this. Uh, anyway, he ended up going to prison for a year. Right. Okay. So career kind of like stumbled at the first hurdle there. Although he was signed yeah. to Death Row Records. In America, the first British uh, artist to be signed to Death Row Records. And you, so can, he was, you, can, you can hear it too. Like you yeah. can hear what they would have heard. It's like uh, yep. for sure. I mean, amazing that he got this golden opportunity, this golden ticket in a way. And he fucking... Yeah, took a, a stun gun on a plane and then got to a fight to a nightclub again. Better management. He and yep. the pop stars who win Idol need better management. That's, that's my controversial take. But I will say, Return of the Mac still holds up. Yes, I like absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. Now we're up to our last song. Song very. It's we love a bit of a novelty hit at the end of these compilations, Charlie. Okay. I don't know if this is a novelty hit, but this is something that you'd go. All right. This is something I wouldn't go out and buy normally. But it's, it's an okay, okay you, track. They used to play this on Triple J all the time. Yeah. This is the X-Files theme <laughs> by Mark <laughs> Snow. so weird. Oh, this isn't the dance version. There was a dance version. Oh, is it? No, this is... Just the actual theme. The song that was on this compilation, X-Files oh. theme. Because there was a dancier yeah. version. There's a remix, yeah. Like classical gas with the dance beat behind it. Daniel's coming on and doing a rap. I remember it from Triple J. I mean, it's a good theme, but out of context, a bit weird without a like a beat. I mean, it's no White Lotus theme. No. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, it feels like there's been a bit of a resurgence with uh, Succession and White Lotus, people getting into TV themes. Yeah. That's weird that they would include that. I mean, it was a huge show, so it really makes sense. And, Did you, you watch know, the like, show? Yeah. Was, see, I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't right, into yeah. sci-fi. The only one I watched, because a flat man, and I've said this on a very early episode, was the one that they played Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. Oh, yeah. So they're going around Memphis in the back of a Cadillac with the monster. Right. And this song plays, and it's a weird standalone episode. But it was So I, I in that it. song... What does he say? We're walking in Memphis. I was walking with my feet and feet off a what? What? I can never get that line. Walking in Memphis. Let's, let's just have a look. Uh, walking with my feet and feet and I like it sounds like in oatmeal or something. I never quite I don't got think what it's that in oatmeal. <laughs> you don't think? I don't think. I think I thought it was just feet barely touched the ground. Walking uh, in Memphis. I was walking my feet ten feet off the beal. What's a beal? Is Beal capitalized? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, so it must Beale be a, the I Beale think it's street. a famous yeah. street yeah. in Memphis. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to say he rhymed it with feel. I reckon he was just looking for a rhyme for feel. Okay, yeah. Walking yeah. with my feet and 10, ten, my feet, feet, off ten feet off the off, off the Beal. Yeah, yeah, never got that line. Uh, yeah, look, X-Files theme, I think, you know, there's a couple like, uh, I think a good simile is the Doctor Who theme, which yeah. is kind of cool. And, you know, and, and I think... You can theoretically say, oh, yeah, it's a good song if you put a beat behind it, like do a remix. But that, it seems like an odd choice. Just to, It just does not gel with anything else on the side of the album, does it? But it just shows how big The X-Files was. It was huge. Just going, it was a good right, show. Put this on and people will buy it. Because you know, I know there was, when the movie came out, there was the songs that inspire, or inspired by The X-Files because they didn't play right. it. And then there was songs, which I always found a strange compilation, like, these songs were inspired by this show. And it's like, no, it wasn't. These songs were what bands had lying around. <laughs> yeah, went, totally. yeah, you can put that on there, yeah. Well, the dance version of this, I remember it was kind of funny because it's like, you know, it's like, and they're playing the Mark Snow theme. But then a voice goes, X-Files, X-Files, in case you don't know what you're listening to. Uh, I've got it up on YouTube. Okay. I don't know. Oh, hang on. It might not be that one. Okay. Or a version, but yeah, this is, oh, this is an uncle remix. So the like, so um, DJ Shadow and uh, I forget the other guy's name. I'll get. No, this is a cooler version than the one I remember. It sounds a lot better. 
This is a bit more like that Trent Reznor doing yeah. the Halloween theme. See, this works. Yeah. Because they're sort of breaking down like just the kind of different elements of the song. I like anyway. this. But that's not what I'm thinking of. I'll put that. The one, mix, the one, I'll put that mix the one, in the show notes, everyone. If you want to listen to the rest of the Uncle version, the one I was thinking of was a much cheaper cash in. It was just like, let's just grab whatever yeah. we can off Pro Tools and put it behind the X Files theme. Well, it's, it's so I was looking at how the Mark Snow actually composed this song. So Chris Carter, the um, X Files uh, creator, wanted uh, something a bit uh, creepy, and he was like going and he was inspired by the whistle in How Soon Is Now by the Smiths off their... Oh, yeah. Like, and so he was trying to do something like that. And he kept on going and going, no, nah, it's not quite right. It's not quite right. And as he left, apparently Mark Snow just kind of hit his head on the keyboard kind of Linus style in a, <laughs> <laughs> from, from Peanuts. And um, it made it echo. And he goes, that's it. That's the sound. Yeah. And so he said it was just in the keyboard. He just didn't press the right button. And because he just went, oh, I can't be bothered with this. And accidentally hit some keys it made an echo sound and that was that was it yeah yeah it's it's interesting because I, I i've always like is the whistle of course like i always thought it was like more of a kind of flute or something like that but i guess it is just kind of a synth whistle isn't it like yeah. it's a weird it's a weird sound my brother always had a theory that there are no good songs with whistling in it <laughs> like he says anytime you hear a song with whistling it takes him out of it but I don't know. I think it works. I think it works for the X. I think "Sitting on the Dock of a Bay" is a pretty good song. Otis Redding. That's got a good whistle breakdown. "Patience" by uh, Guns N' Roses. It's yeah, got some and Andrew in it. Bird's a very good whistler. All right, <laughs> we're now at the end. And this is what we do every time. We go through okay. and see how many were hits. Okay. Okay. So let's start with "The Cure," the thirteenth. Tick. Hit. "Gold to Me," Ben Harper. Yep. Hit. "The World I Know" by Collective Soul. Yep. Okay. Smoke and Ashes, Tracy Chapman. No. No, okay. I Got Five on It by Loonies. Definitely. Wham Bam by The Candy Girls. Like, it was strangely more memorable than Tracy Chapman, but I I mean, would you say it was a hit? No, it's not a hit. Not a hit, okay. Daniel Amam, Classical Gas. No. No. Oh, I forgot to say, Tommy Emmanuel just released Classical Gas the year before as well. So it was in it was in the ether in Australia. We loved it. Uh, Did he rap? Did Tommy No, Emmanuel Tommy rap? Emmanuel didn't rap on it. Uh, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Big hit. Big hit. tick. And the X-Files theme. Yeah, I mean, in, like in its own subcategory of like TV themes, hit. Yeah. Hit. There we go. Six out of nine. Is that good? That's 66% thereabouts. That's pretty good. <laughs> right. Okay. So I get you. The percentages. Yeah. That's pretty that good. Is, 66% hits. Yeah, not bad. I'll take that. Well, it's more than like that. That's uh, what's that? Is you're a teacher once? So is, this, yeah. is that a C? C that's, that's, or that's a, a B minus? That's a credit at uni. You can get a credit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. You passed. P's well get done. degrees is what we said. P's get degrees. <laughs> that's all you need to do. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, Charlie. Uh, you've got a podcast that people can listen to you on. Yes, uh, if anyone wants to check out the many podcasts I feature on, you can go to tofop.com. There's Tofop, that's me and Will. There's Fofop, where Will and I take turns to chat to guests. And then there's Two Guys, One Cup, which is our AFL-adjacent podcast. I'm doing a summer series at the moment where I'm chatting to various uh, famous Aussies about the teams that they love and sometimes hate. And then the real season will be starting again uh, in March when the start of the, the, the proper season. If you are a football fan, I've done one of the, sh- the summer ones. I did about yeah. my, my beloved North Melbourne who, yeah, how are you feeling? How, how are you feeling about the ruse? It's it's great that they've just said that 2023 is not an AFL season and will kick off in 2024, 25. I think that's really good. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know how I feel about the ruse? Ow. I love the Boston Celtics so much at the minute. That's <laughs> that's how I feel about football at the minute. Um, hey, thanks everyone who's been uh, Patreon subscribers. It's great to see the numbers go up and up and up. Uh, I really. Really a fun episode we did last week with Cameron James is up there talking about the songs from Hit Machine 11. Uh, this week we're doing Hit Machine 12, kicking off with some absolute bangers. Wonderwall, TLC's oh, yeah. Waterfalls. It's really oh, good. Uh, so that's at patreon.com. Hopefully uh, you all know I'm doing my shows in the Comedy Festival. I'd love to see you there as well. That's all I need to say. Thanks, everyone. Take care. See you next time. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.